From the capital city, I'm Jordan Lewis. As part of Elizabeth Paradovich Day, a number of events have been planned for the day. Earlier in the day at 10 a.m. was a graveyard service at the Evergreen Cemetery and a rally is happening at the capital part of the celebration, being put on by the Alaska Native Brotherhood Alaska Native Sisterhood Camp 2. Happening throughout the day, an exhibit will be on display at the Juno Douglas City Museum, which is being put on by Camp 70. And an online celebration will be held via the Grand Camp's Facebook page at 6 p.m. The public has until March 17th to comment on marine passenger fee funding recommendations. Alexandra Pierce, CBJ's tourism manager, details how marine passenger fees work. The Marine Passenger Fee Program is the money that is collected from cruise passengers arriving in Juneau. There's a $5 marine passenger fee, a $3 port development fee, and then the state charges a commercial passenger vessel excise tax that's separate, but we get some of the money after the fact. In our enabling ordinance for the marine passenger fee, also our negotiated settlement of the lawsuit with the cruise lines in 2019, um, we put out the proposed marine passenger fee budget for public comment, and we're required to put it out for 30 days. She shares highlights for this year's budget. We're looking at spending a bunch of money on the Seawalk. We're hoping to build between the Franklin Dock, and so that would be between where the Seawalk ends now and the Rock Dump. We're also looking at improvements to marine parks. There's a public process going on now around what people would like to see in marine parks. There's $2 million to actually build what comes out of that public process. We're also looking to rebuild Homestead Park. Homestead Park is on Douglas. It's stairs that go down towards the water that all the tour buses go to. And then there's also a million dollars towards the Capitol Civic Center. These are other places marine passenger fees go towards. Then the other components of the budget are, so we provide enhanced city services in the downtown area and to the visitor industry during the summer months. And those are calculated on a percentage basis based on a number that was arrived at by a consultant study that was part of the outcome of our lawsuit. And then there are also all the contracted services, the crossing guard, security for all the docks, restroom maintenance, visitor services. There's a whole nother gamut of people who have to be employed to, uh, to keep the visitor industry running, and that's all covered through passenger fees. Wastewater improvement projects that were postponed the cruise season over the pandemic are being refunded. Finally, Pierce gives a note on dock electrification. One thing I wanted to mention, I know that there are a lot of members of the community who are interested in dock electrification and bringing shore power to the cruise ship docks. We funded some work for that in the passenger fee budget last year, and that work is underway. And we have some debt capacity on passenger fees. We're able to issue bonds based on our our passenger fee revenue, and we're planning to um, finance dock electrification that way. So just because there's no money in the budget doesn't mean that that project is going away. We're just using a slight, a different, slightly different funding mechanism for it. Linda Benkin, Alaska Longline Fishermen's Association Executive Director and Commercial Fisherman, spoke with News of the North about the legislature passing a resolution to defend Southeast Alaska's troll fishery due to a lawsuit that a Washington-based organization, the Wild Fish Conservancy, has filed against the National Marine Fisheries Service. The resolution that the Fisheries Committee passed shows support for the troll fleet an understanding of the tremendous economic contribution of the troll fishery to Southeast Alaska and lend full support to fishing game 
in the state of Alaska to fight this lawsuit all the way to a positive outcome. She says what will happen next. The resolution will still need to go to the floor of the House, and there will have to be a companion resolution that works its way through the Senate. So it may be a month before there is final action on a resolution from both the House and the Senate, but it is an important step in the process showing the support of the state of Alaska for the Southeast Troll Fishery. Benkin explains what this means to fishermen. Our family depends on, for a, a significant part of our income on trolling, our, the organization that I am the director of has a significant portion of our members rely exclusively on trolling or rely on trolling as part of their annual income. And losing the troll fishery would be devastating to those fishing families. They're small boats, live in our rural communities, very closely tied to this region. 85% of the permits are held by Alaskans, and most of those are in southeast Alaska's rural, remote communities where there's very few other economic opportunities and um just the, really the supports the way of life that's inherent to Southeast Alaska. She has been the director since 1992 and fishing for over 40 years. She calls this lawsuit a unique situation. It's a completely bizarre lawsuit because closing down the troll fishery will do nothing to benefit the southern resident killer whales. The threats they are facing are from industrial pollution, other water quality issues, noise disturbance, all aspects of where they live. They're in the Puget Sound, Salish Sea area, surrounded by tremendous urban development. Five million people live in around their home habitat, thinking that closing down a fishery that's about a thousand miles away might take up to 600 of the Chinook that would return to that area. If they aren't eaten by something else between here and when they get to Puget Sound and might get caught by a whale and eaten is just bizarre. The fisheries are not the problem, and even if the fisheries were the problem for these orca, the southeast troll fishery would not be the fishery that was the problem. Coming up next on News of the North, Governor Mike Dunleavy introduced $117 million in total undesignated general funds as part of his budget amendments yesterday. The American Red Cross arrived on Prince of Wales Island this last Monday. And Donald Trump's ex-chief of staff, Mark Meadows, has reportedly been subpoenaed by the special counsel investigating the former president's effort to overturn the 2020 presidential election. Stay tuned. Welcome back to News of the North. I'm Jordan Lewis. Alaska Governor Mike Dunleavy introduced $117 million in total undesignated general fund amendments as part of a package of budget amendments introduced to the legislature yesterday. His budget amendments strengthen the Public Defender Agency, the Office of Public Advocacy, and the ferry system. Back in January, the state of Alaska was awarded $285.6 million in federal discretionary grants from the Federal Transit Administration to support the marine highway system. Ryan Anderson, Commissioner of the Alaska Department of Transportation and Public Facilities, follows up on this. We were awarded six individual grants requiring varying levels of state match. Of the 200. 200- 
44 million was awarded to fund the operation of the ferries and to provide service that will be applied to the 2023 budget. And the match for these operating funds is accounted for in our existing operating budget as the way the federal grant rules work. Uh, 68.4 million contributes to the replacement of the MV Tustamina. Uh, the department will use existing match that was appropriated for this vessel replacement back in 2018. And those are funds from the AMHS vessel replacement fund. 8.6 million would fund the design and plans for a future replacement vessel. Some say to replace the, the Matanuska, the MV Matanuska. 2.1 million from the vessel replacement fund is being requested from the legislature to match that $8.6 million federal grant. The remaining $163.7 million would fund an electric ferry, upgrade our dock infrastructure, and modernize our existing vessels. These grants require $40.9 million of matching funds. Anderson says how the state is proposing to meet the requirement. The state is proposing to use an innovative federal aid highway tool that allows the state to use existing federal dollars to capture these new federal dollars. The tool by which the state is allowed to do this is called toll match credits. So these existing federal funds are proposed to come from the annual ferry boat formula program provided by the Federal Highway Administration. And by leveraging the toll match credits, the state will be able to capture a significant increase in federal funding for capital improvements on the Alaska Marine Highway. The funds are being requested from the legislature. The governor's amended budget includes $8.3 million across two fiscal years to increase the hourly pay and case caps for contract attorneys to become competitive in the current job market. James Stenson is the director of the Office of Public Advocacy. He explains what their funding will do. What this will do effectively is allow us to increase the rate that we pay to independent contractors by approximately 20%. That's been a long-running issue for OPA is attracting private defense attorneys willing to take on these difficult cases for the rate of pay that we offer. This is a solution to that issue. I think that this will go a long way in helping address the case backlog. This will go a long way in finding representation uh, for conflict cases, cases that have multiple layers of conflict that are very difficult to place in-house at the Office of Public Advocacy. I'm not going to say that this is a silver bullet. There's always going to be challenges with staffing and other things, but this is a pathway forward. So I will just say that, uh, you know, overall, we live in an amazing state, and I think it's in everyone's interest to have a functioning criminal justice system. Sam Chereau, head of the Public Defender Agency, adds to Stenson's comments. Alaska has long had one of the most robust public defender systems in the country, and I thank the governor and his administration for this tremendous support. The decision to decline new appointments in unclassified and A felony cases in Nome and Bethel is a very difficult one and due to immediate shortages in staffing, especially for an organization that is full of attorneys and staff committed to public service and to defending the constitutional rights of Alaska. But with the support of the governor and the legislature, the agency can create solutions to long-term staffing shortages. There are other notable amendments that can be found on knyradio.com. The American Red Cross arrived on Prince of Wales Island Monday. Lauren Jones is a volunteer with American Red Cross based out of Juneau and volunteer counterpart for the disaster program manager. He says they will be providing trainings at Craig City Hall the first few days, and today they're in Thorn Bay and Hollis. We have been doing two days of training with the eight or nine volunteers that we have on Prince of Wales. And first time we've had a chance to meet face-to-face, I've been with the Red Cross a year and a half with COVID. We have not met on face-to-face, so this has been a, a good experience. And we'll be here another couple of days, the health clinic and school on Friday. They hope to travel to Heidelberg, and on Friday they will be back in Klawak. In addition to the trainings, they talked to the superintendent of the Craig School District about schools being potential sites for disaster sheltering. And just getting sort of an idea, if the Red Cross were to respond to a disaster on Prince of Wales, 
who might request us to be here, uh, what resources are already here, what resources we might need to bring to bear, just trying to get as prepared as we can during a, what we call blue skies, where there's no disaster happening, um, so that we understand what, what we might need to do if there was a disaster. Jones explains what disasters they are preparing for on Prince of Wales. Down on Prince of Wales, a uh, tsunami uh, for parts of it. Uh, there are parts of the island that are very, you know, water dependent. Uh, landslide, um, you know, mudslide, kind of disasters, uh, major fires. He summarizes their mission. A Red Cross is here. That Red Cross is in Southeast. We have individuals that can respond to disasters, both small and large. But we're always looking for volunteers. We're always looking for more people to help. Red Cross is an organization that is run and, and managed and responded to bond, our full bond disasters by volunteers. They are looking to recruit volunteers. They can either call Britta or I at the Red Cross office. They could go to redcross.org online and look up under volunteer and make an application that way. Strong team here on Prince of Wales, eight or nine people. We have two people in Ketchikan. We have two people in Sitka. We have probably eight or ten active people in Juneau, but many have some statewide responsibilities. We have a couple of people in Skagway, but we don't have anybody in Wrangell or Petersburg. Love to have more in Ketchikan, love to have more in Juneau. Donald Trump's ex-chief of staff, Mark Meadows, has reportedly been subpoenaed by the special counsel investigating the former president's efforts to overturn the 2020 presidential election. ABC's M. Wen has more from Washington. Former Trump Chief of Staff Mark Meadows has reportedly been subpoenaed by the special counsel investigating former President Trump's to overturn the 2020 presidential election and his role in the January 6th attack on the Capitol. CNN was first to report Meadows was subpoenaed in January. This new disclosure follows the special counsel's subpoena of former Vice President Mike Pence, who has vowed to fight back, calling the move unconstitutional. This special counsel is also overseeing the investigation into Trump's handling of classified documents after leaving office. M. Wynn, ABC News, Washington. Never miss a story or a newscast at knyradio.com. Now you're up to date. I'm Jordan Lewis for News of the North.